0: sleeping till Hollywood Hollywood we ain't sleeping hello everyone I am Caleb McDonald
1: and it's your girl Galen Smith
0: and you are listening to no sleep till Hollywood Mm -hmm. we're not sleeping until we make it in Hollywood and while we're up we will be discussing the state of the industry and our place in it
1: and today You know, I know we are a TV film podcast, but today we're talking about the jams, the bops. It is Black Music Month, in case you didn't know. We are also recording this on actual Juneteenth, so happy late Juneteenth by the time you're hearing this. Um, But we're going to talk about Black Music Month, y'all. If you guys did not know that June is African American Music Appreciation Month, that is its birth name. Um, We gonna call it Black Music Month because, you know, I'm black and I have to give it a nickname. Um, So we will be celebrating our community's musical influences and heritage. Um, But this episode, we are going to talk about an icon, um, a legend who left us last month. We're going to talk about Tina Turner, the queen of rock and roll. And we're going to get into what's love got to do with it. And then her documentary, I, Tina. And yeah, let's get into it.
0: I will say I learned a lot on this venture because unfortunately not that this will be a surprise I was not too familiar with Tina Turner before Wait
1: wait wait what do you mean familiar like you didn't know none of the songs
0: No no like I knew of the songs but did I know the songs were her That's a different that's a different question
1: I just saw the blackening today <laughs> and <laughs> What it took you out? Like now that I've seen that movie, I can only mm-hmm. think of things in terms of like how long someone would last into the movie. Now, and I wasn't lasting that long either. But I don't know <laughs> that 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 might have took you out in the first twelve mm-hmm. minutes. I don't know, friend. Oh. First
0: twelve minutes.
1: No, okay. That's an exaggeration. That is an exaggeration Is that an exaggeration It's an exaggeration. <laughs> it's an exaggeration. <laughs>
0: right.
1: I feel like if you couldn't make it through the first like twenty two minutes. Mm. We should have questions, comments, and concerns. That,
0: that, might, that, makes sense. that makes sense. But no,
1: I feel like I knew... It's funny. Um, we can well we can jump to this question. By the time I saw What's Love Got to Do With It, I feel like I was older enough that unlike a lot of people, I did not think that Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne were Ike and Tina. Mm-hmm. But I found out on Twitter that a lot of people saw that movie so early that they thought that they were Ike and Tina. Right. <laughs> it's like, I definitely... I know I definitely... My mom loves music. My mom played a lot of music for me as a kid. Like, I was one of those kids in the car where my mom would be like, what you know about this? And she'd Mm -hmm. be like, quizzing me on music. So I definitely grew up with music that was, like, older than me. Like, you can go through my playlist now. It still sounds a little bit like a 40-something-year-old Black woman. And also, my age is weird. Um, Mm -hmm. So I knew about Tina, but I knew, like, the songs. I still really only know, like, the big songs, like, What's Love Got To Do With It and Proud Mary and things like that. Like, I know the big ones. But I knew the music and then i saw the movie and was like oh dang this was what was going on behind the music like that's that's when it was like oh this is crazy Tina turner started in the ike and tina turner review that's where she got her stage name tina turner um she was married to ike turner and he was very very abusive and then they got a divorce and in her mid-40s she was able to launch a successful solo career partially as a way to pay off some of the debt that I left her with in their divorce from you know their career as a musical right. recording group but also because she always like wanted to make music like once she became you know a singer she always had you know a vision for her own voice and her own career and so she was able to do that in her late 40s and that's where we get the iconic songs like what's love got to do with it that were from her solo catalog.
0: Um yeah and it was it was interesting to see that like she shifted genres cuz Again, I, I didn't know much going into it. So, um, yeah, I would not have, like, off of my little knowledge of Tina Turner, I didn't think rock and roll. But
1: but she made rock, and this is what everyone confuses me. She's like, Everyone's like, she switched genres. I'm like, she never did. Like, all of her music was rock and roll. Even I Can Tina Turner Review stuff was rock and roll. Like, that was early rock and roll. She literally is credited with teaching Mick Jagger how to dance. Like, it was always rock and roll. That's well, why I don't I'm not, understand. Like, I'm not we look familiar. at, but like you know, music of the sixties. Like you know about Motown. Yeah, right. So that's R and B, and and a little bit of pop, and then like you've heard Proud Mary before. Yes. Rock and roll.
0: Right. I just because the the term pop music is very broad broad considering it literally kind of just means popular music
1: yeah and it's like depending on the time period what is pop like rock was once pop
0: right so that's where like it was uh oh labels are being put now for the first time in my eyes i guess
1: yeah i think like when she like cut the hair and had like the whole like image change that came about Mm -hmm. in like the 80s when she was trying to get signed as a solo act and you know kind of mount the whole you know, large world tour thing. I guess that's when her image became more quote-unquote rock and roll. I think it's funny because I think when she aligned herself with a more white imagining of rock and roll is then mm. when she got respect as a rock and roll artist. Because when she was still in a more Black aesthetic, but making the same music, it was R&B.
0: Right.
1: The same way that like I don't know, I remember when like Tyler, the creator, won like best rap album for Igor, but it wasn't a rap album. Like now I feel like the thing is like, it's rap. And it's like, no, like those genres have meanings and they're specific. And just cause somebody's black doesn't mean that they only make R and B or rap music.
0: And just cause they used to make rap doesn't mean they're stuck in that one genre. Exactly.
1: Right. Thank you. I feel like, yeah, but no, it's obviously Tina Turner because like queen of rock and roll She was a big influence on artists like Beyonce Mm -hmm. and Lizzo. So obviously even the people that she's influenced make very different kinds of music. So like, I feel like it's weird to box Tina into like any genre, right? but I definitely would agree that she is the queen of rock and roll because she definitely did so much to diversify the sound and the aesthetic of that genre.
0: Do you have a favorite Tina Turner song?
1: Hmm. I feel like It depends on the day But it really is either Proud Mary or What's Love Got To Do With It Like those mm-hmm. really Them two are the jams Right Like I feel like Proud Mary once it gets stuck in your head It's there you're just like rolling rolling
0: rolling Just
1: It's my mm-hmm. jam so I feel like those two songs Really are my bop.
0: Um No I I used to like Simply The Best Then it got too much of a commercial jingle to me like
1: what do you mean wait hold on you said used to and then commercial jingle you said you only knew about her music about for four seconds so what do you mean used to Be-
0: because like that that's a song that like i would hear and like i would like it but uh, then i feel like it was on too many commercials or in too many movie sequences <laughs> so now it just feels I can't like a commercial listen, listen. to
1: me wait what movie was simply the best I can't think of a singular movie with that song right now.
0: Well, it had to be in commercials. Like, I feel like it was in those cheesy, cheesy commercials where it's like, we got you covered. Say it the best. And then-
1: Oh, there was a, was it a Geico commercial? It was like a commercial, like a couple, maybe like, I want to say like in the last 10 years, don't quote mm-hmm. me on that. But I feel like I remember there being like a Geico or an Allstate
0: and it was in the commercial. Oh, maybe it was progressive with flow.
1: That sounds right. That sounds and then, right. And
0: then like they have a good time montage and then like yes. somebody ruins it. Yes. It sounds about right.
1: I feel like I know what you're talking about. Um Yeah, I never thought about it like that. But that being said, yeah. Favorite
0: song now would definitely be what's love got to do with it.
1: What's love got to do got to do with it. We really, I don't listen. We're about to get into this, but Um, Angela Bassett was robbed (laughs) for her performance in Tina Turner. I have to start there. There's no reason to start the conversation any other way. I don't know how in 1994, they sat at them Oscars and really said, hmm, Angela Bassett really just didn't do the thing. Like, are they blind? Are they dumb? They have to be both because I'm just not seeing, like, where they missed it. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Do you know who won Best Actress? No.
1: Who okay. cares? I mean, we should look it up. But like, who cares?
0: It was who, it was Holly Hunter. For who was that? Yeah, no that that would actually be the the part where I check out because I I Holly Hunter did piano. what now? She piano acted what? in the piano.
1: What's that? Stares in black confusion.
0: Stairs and Black Confusion. Yeah, that's okay. that's really all I can say.
1: All right. So for those of y'all who don't know, What's Love Got To Do With It is the 1993 biographical film based on the early life of Tina Turner up and through her divorce and like mounting her solo career. So like up until like the early 90s, which like I didn't realize how old she was until I was rewatching the movie today and being like, dang, by the time we got to the movie, the movie was only in 93. By 93, she done done all this stuff. Like, her career in the sense of, like, not that she was done, like, she was winding her career down at that point. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know that we got too many more albums after that movie came out. Like, we know that she's then moved to, you know, Europe and those things. But, like, the movie really wasn't, like, that just felt like a movie that, like, in my head should have been made in, like, the 2000s. But I guess, like, she had done so much by then where it's, like, she's done.
0: No, um, it... It is actually very wild to think that, like, the movie was made only seven years after the autobiography. And the um, autobiography
1: came out kind of early in a sense. Like...
0: Yeah. Because, like, had she gone back to her original, to her birth name, or mm-hmm. or just, like, shifted directions in terms of market, like, you know, then it would have made sense. Okay, we're closing this chapter. Right. So here you guys go with the Tina Turner story, but she kept no. that Tina Turner, honey. She she kept that Tina Turner. Um do you have what are your thoughts on the film?
1: Um I like the movie
0: mm-hmm. a lot.
1: I mean that's a weird thing to say because of like how violent and abusive it is and all those things, but like yeah. I think it is a I mean Angela Bassett is fantastic in that film. Like she really Fully changed her body composition, like learned all of the dances, learned so much of the mannerisms. I know Angela Bassett talked about for um, like three or four months after the film, she still laughed like Tina and like mm-hmm. throw her head back and do the thing, and it was like she was like I still laugh like Tina. It was in my neck and just da-da-da-da. and it's like she did so much to really transform herself. And one of the things that she said that Tina Turner told her about her performance was that Tina liked that for as much as Angela Bassett tried to get her in terms of her mannerisms and her essence that she liked that angela bassett more so found the tina turner in herself right and put that on screen and i was like that's a really interesting way of looking at it because like i don't see i mean yes there are a couple things that i see that are angela bassett where i'm like that's an angela bassettism but like Mm -hmm. even like the whole mouth thing that everyone talks about angela bassett acts through her mouth and it's like but if you watch tina turner sing like she also does similar things where it's like where is it Tina and where is it Angela? Like I thought it was just a really well done, uh, well, just well, well acted. The performances were really strong. Lawrence Fishburne was really strong in that movie as well. Um, But I really liked that movie. I think that there are, especially when we look at the documentary that we watched, Tina, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, more of her telling her story the way that she wanted it told. Right. You realize how much, as much as the movie showed you, it also glossed over so many things. Like, their mar as violent as the movie was, it still didn't encompass what she experienced. Right. Or then like there were just a lot of moments where we would like skate through things where I'm like, no, that was longer. Or, like the fact that she was in hiding after she like she runs across the freeway to escape. And then she goes into hiding while she's having her divorce trial. Like it's not just like runs across the freeway, checks into a hotel, ends up in court. Like it's not as fast. Yeah, the
0: movie Because forgetting about, like, just the timeline of things, the movie did have a number of inaccuracies, like, throughout it that also just make you think, like, why did you guys go that route? And I guess the
1: thing is, it's like, you're trying to tell a two-hour story. Mm -hmm. And so, like, the documentary itself was two hours, but it breaks into five chapters. And you could have spent, like, two hours in each of those chapters. Really, like, it's like, how do you take someone's life and put it into two hours. So I understand like some of the jumps that were made for timeline or things that you might edit for clarity, or it's like, okay, we don't need to see every single time Ike meets her. Like we don't need right. that. So like yeah, no. you make certain things, but there were just certain things where I was like, this is confusing. Or like, even like in the movie, I don't know if you caught this, but like in the movie, it's the X I cat who introduces her to Buddhism. But then she tells the story in the documentary about how it was a white woman that like worked for a label or something that Ike bought to work on the music and that's how she got introduced to buddhism and like yes it's small but like why make that change
0: because that's a big shift and like it takes away from the like support system that like the movie gave us like the movie was like oh she always had this versus she found something and And also like
1: even just in that of like it being introduced to her by a white woman like also would add to the tension of it and would probably be why like Ike was so irritated by it. like that changes that even so it's just like little things like that where it was like these choices didn't actually serve the plot and so why were they made?
0: Right. It's kind of my thing. What are your and thoughts? Okay. One oh, go ahead. of the hold on just cause one of the weirder inaccuracies was also that um Ike's partner um when she shot herself oh the baby mama yeah so ike's baby mama number one shot herself and then that same night they had ike and tina get together right when the reality of it was it actually happened like two years later right so it's like
1: and i guess they were trying to paint ike as like a desperate manipulator in right. a faster way because it's like oh dang you can't even be by yourself for five seconds you for already all seconds. Up on this. like it literally was like he came in from the hospital talk about some i hate that hospital smell and then he kissing on anime
0: yeah. how did we get here so that was just weird um overall i think the movie was well strung for what it was mm-hmm. i personally it it was a lot of abuse for me. So like, mine started watching the movie versus actually seeing the whole movie. Um, yeah, no, I I wish that like the movie centered more on the milestones that the music <laughs> was making versus the milestones of their relationship. But I think that kind of adds to the title of the movie.
1: I think that's it, because it's like, it almost more, other than the fact that I guess it still centered Tina, Mm -hmm. it felt like the rise and fall of Ike and Tina Turner.
0: Right. Exactly. As
1: opposed to, like, Tina, who went through this abusive marriage and was still able to build a career and then built another career. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it just had that... Because even in the doc, it's like, the doc was the same length as the movie, I think, almost down to the minute. And, like, the abuse of the doc was only maybe 25 30 minutes in the first hour of the movie and then everything else was everything else we learned so much more about her where i'm just like "Uh."
0: and she was young when she met ike so for that i understand what the thing i'm about to bring up but they showed her singing as like that little girl in the very first scene Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of excited to see, like you know, a little progression of Justina, and then getting Nut involved bush. with Ike. Sitting but in that
1: bush and yeah,
0: nah, they said jump, okay.
1: And that's the thing is, I think you have to like decide what is the story you're telling. Like, mm-hmm. for example, like the Jackson Five movie slash miniseries, they start with the parents, but they don't start with the parents being born. They start with the parents as adults, I think they were in their late teens, early twenties, meeting and then having their children. So it's a little bit before the kids, but not so much that you're like, what is the point of showing this? And I feel like that's Mm -hmm. how the beginning with the baby, like I understand we need we needed to know that her parents left her, but like we could have done that differently. I also think in the documentary it's interesting the way she talks about her relationship with her mom because in the movie it's like, oh, her grandmother dies, her mother sends for her, her and her mother seem to be, you know, good or whatever. And then when you listen to the doc, it's like, no, I hated my mother. My mother disliked me and she just wanted me because I was successful. And there was more of a a tension there that I feel like the movie just, again, I think the movie was very specific in the story it was trying to tell. It wanted to Mm -hmm. tell the story of a young girl seduced by fame who escapes an abusive situation. And I think that is the story they were interested in telling. It just so happened to be the story with Tina Turner, as opposed to like really giving us like the Tina Turner,
0: you know, like in the documentary, which what were your thoughts on that one?
1: I, so that's the the second time I've seen the documentary. I I watched Mm -hmm. it again today as well. And I like, What I realized in watching the documentary is that there's so much media that tells Tina Turner's story, right? We have a book, we have a movie, we have a documentary, and we have a musical. So there are four attempts at telling this woman's life story. Mm -hmm. And I like that finally she got to tell it the way she wanted to tell it. And that she got to share as much or as little as she wanted. And she got to really voice her frustrations about always being viewed in connection to Ike and always being sort of, put through the lens of the ex-wife of and, and that she talked about her frustrations there. She talked about, um, you know, her experiences with love and like talking about how she felt like she had never been loved in her life. And then how she meets her, you know, now her husband, well, her former husband now, um, and how that changed her mind and how she literally was like, that's the safest and happiest I've ever felt and, and picked up her entire life and moved out of America right. to go be this new person and, you know, have this great love affair. And I really, I love that we are seeing powerful women take control of their own narratives and tell their stories. It's why I always have loved the Beyonce documentaries. It's like Beyonce taking us into this world tour, this album. And I love that women are telling their own stories because I think it's important. I think what Tina Turner went through is not, unfortunately is not uncommon for women, right? There are so many women Mm -hmm. right now who are living in abusive situations and letting her talk about her story and all of the things that made up her life outside of her abuse, I think it's also helpful because it allows for women who are in that situation, people who are in that situation, to know that like you can still be a full person outside of it. So I thought, I really appreciated that. I liked the way it was told in five chapters because it kind of allowed for us to um, jump back and forth between time, but like tell thematically linked events. I think that was really important and really well done. And I just like that similarly to how I feel about um, you guys have seen the Tupac documentary on FX. Like I love when there are moments where I'm hearing somebody talk, but then I'm seeing something that is a visual representation or is linked to what the person is saying, but isn't watching people speak or isn't watching like archival footage, but it's like, here are some trees or here's a cinematic shot of the house that we're talking about. Like, I like when you mm-hmm. break that up because I think documentaries can get kind of like, two shots, like, right. interview, found footage, and it's, like, I like when you're able to, like, break those things up. What about you? No, know,
0: I, I, um, you know, it broke my heart having to hear Tina, like, like, because even in this documentary, even in this documentary that was her telling her story, mm-hmm. like, she still had to, um, address yeah. the fact that, like, the story, the complete story isn't fully hers because like she is always going she was always linked to ike
1: yeah
0: um and so like e- even though this was her chance to like cut it clean like she still had to be like yeah and so every moment it's just like why are we still talking about this yeah Why? why is that still being brought up and she legitimately even um talked about that period of her life even though like from a like numbers standpoint from an outside perspective the fame like anyone else could have been like oh she was living during those years but she herself said i did not exist it was not a life that she was actually living um and it did make me extra happy to hear well sad first when she was like i had never felt loved
1: yeah Um, she was in her 40s saying that it's like dang she's like my mommy and daddy nope like I've never had a genuine connection that sustained itself. That's it was I think her almost exact phrasing. And I was mm-hmm. like, "Dang!"
0: Like, but that's... then she did find this partner, and like, yes, you know, Irwin. Not,
1: Irvin? Irvin? Not that Love is the
0: win, but hmm?
1: Irvin. Irwin.
0: Irwin. Irwin Bach, I think.
1: No. Let me no? look up. Let me look up Uncle Irwin's name. Tina? It's definitely E R W I N. Husband. You were right. It's Irwin Bach
0: over here got me down i like thought
1: there people. was like i thought his last name was something like longer i don't know where i was going like I, there was like a something off in english there. like a hemish a hemishoff a or something just,
0: right i don't
1: know where i was but, going. Um, it seem like...
0: no her and erwin bach they had they had a nice meet cute um mm-hmm. yeah no so so i was i was the documentary definitely made me feel more informed and and at peace with i just story. wish we
1: got a little bit more of the detail in the movie that was like present in the doc and i mean of course some mm-hmm. of it is like what was available and what wasn't but like right i almost would have that middle part between divorce and building tina turner like when she was like performing at like what mm-hmm. did they say they, they were like she would perform at the at the pizza at the pizza party in the back like i wanted right. like more of those like casino performances and things when she was really going, like, trying to get people to see her outside of Ike and Tina. I would have loved to see more of that journey because I think, like, like I said, the movie got to a point for me where I was like, we know Ike ain't no good and we know she here and we know she keep having these babies. Mm. Like, I, not that I didn't want us to spend time there because it was a, a long part of her life. I think they were married for, like, 15 or 16 years. Like, It was a very long part of her life, especially at that point. But, right. like, I felt like we spent a little bit more time there than we had to. And where I'm like, ah, I wish we had seen more of this like woman Mm -hmm. trying to build a life. And also just like, I don't know. They let I get off kind of easy in the movie. Cause like, I don't know that whole moment when he comes and he's trying to like, you know, threaten her to get back with him so they can make some music together. And it's like, this man took, didn't give her anything but her name and he didn't want to give her that. But then still somehow found a way to stuck her to stick her with all of the bills from all of their recording contracts and all of mm-hmm. his advancements. And I'm like, I wanted more of how she got out of that than right. I needed like we didn't need to see Ike Nomo after a certain point. And it's just like some of the stuff that we got, apparently the eat the cake scene in question may or may not have even happened. Yeah, Like I think that was an added, like there's some speculation about that being like an added scene that never happened. Was- and I'm like,
0: it was exaggerated from what I read.
1: Yeah. So I'm like, why did we even get that? Like we didn't need, cause some, I think we got some repetitive scenes where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, we saw that. I think the, the first scene that we see when the kids are there and they witnessed him abusing her, I think that right. was an important moment because in the documentary, the kids talk about remembering that. So I think that that probably should have stayed. We didn't necessarily need the eat the cake scene. I think we should have mm-hmm. kept the limo scene. But then like with the whole limo scene, when she finally hits him, And the way she tells the story in the doc is like, oh, they went in the hotel room and like, in the movie, she just like, they were mad. He told her to go clean herself up and then she left versus like, no, like she was massaging him. She waited until he fell asleep. And like, that was like, it was almost a more deliberate calculated thing that in the Mm -hmm. movie just became like, (gasps) and versus, you know what I'm saying? And I wish that we, I, I, I don't like that the movie made her almost seem reactive and kind of in a way like, Didn't, um, it like diminished her intelligence a little bit. I felt Mm -hmm. like it kind of made everything an emotional reactive thing, as much as like no, a lot of her abuse she rationalized and logicalized internally, and then her leaving was a choice and a decision. Like, I wish that we had gotten a little bit more of that because I think that's just important to me to see like Mm -hmm. well rounded women.
0: Um, and something that also is iffy with the movie and like inaccuracies is the scene where he does come back and like threaten her with a gun. That was made up because- I the always rea- felt like
1: that was made up. Like when you watch it, it just feels right. fake.
0: Yeah, no. And then, and then like she, cause like, don't get me wrong. I wanted to believe that she was like, and what you going to do?
1: I believe that she would have responded if it happened. Right. But like, she asked the most important question for me, which was, how did you get past security?
0: Yeah. No. Um. But the reality being that he threatened to hire a hitman and then she carried a gun for a while. Like, the movie was wrapping up, so we didn't need it. But that was. And also listen, been,
1: I wanna know about Tina Turner with the gun, okay? I wanna know who that woman was.
0: Right. You know, if I had to redo that movie, the first half would have been Ike and Tina, the second half would have been her getting that name.
1: In a two hour movie, I don't mind that you give me 30, 40 minutes of Ike and Tina in the first 60 minutes. Mm -hmm. but after
0: that um
1: especially now that it's like 2023 because like we could have got her in switzerland like i want to know like there was an interview i watched i remember watching this interview that she did with oprah in like 2013 when mm -hmm. oprah came to switzerland and mama's was living okay the house fabulous the little the little the caftan or whatever it was giving and i just want to know what tina turner was doing in switzerland like right girl what was up what was we doing? It was given Black luxury. And I need to know.
0: Um, But considering that you and I both are creatives, mm. um, we both do a little writing, you know? Uh Allegedly. What responsibility mm. do you think that we have to do people's real lives justice in creative storytelling? Because, like, when it comes to biopics... hmm you know, not all the time is the story we tell going to be uh, given the green light by right. the person whose story it is we're telling. Because sometimes there are some necessary things that, like,
1: they yeah, don't yeah. want
0: to rehash. Yeah. But so what what do you think the responsibility is there?
1: I think, to me, you have to be as authentic as is available. hmm I think, so it's like, yes, there might be things they don't wanna talk about, but like, let's not fill that in with our own imaginations. Right. So I think that's the issue we're talking about here is there were moments that were filled in with someone else's imagination, but this is somebody's real life mm. at the end of the day. And it's like, if you don't think that you can tell a good story with what they're willing to share you share with you, then this isn't the time for that story to be told. Like, I think that's really where it is. I think people, I think artists, and folks who are the subject of, like, biopics in this way, like, you have to be okay with waiting to tell your story until you're really ready, because I think if you're not ready to talk about it, you risk creative interpretation, and you miss, you risk, like, your story being mistold and misunderstood, Mm -hmm. and I think that is the big thing. I think for me as a a writer, like, it would always be about, like, how close to the truth can we get, and how much of the truth can we show, and if that means, hey, like, I don't want to talk about the fact, like, I don't want to talk about being abused, but I was abused. Cool. Then maybe we show you, you know, being chased into a a door and then the door closes and we move on past that moment and we can Mm -hmm. just let the audience infer. But I think with what you write and what shows up on the screen, like that is not the space for you to embellish. Yeah. Like you want to write fiction, go write a book, baby. Go write a novel. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't write a novel with somebody's life. It's just kind of, like, wild to me. It's a little disrespectful.
0: Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, I agree that a story should be told when it's ready. Like, I wholeheartedly agree with that because it, it really becomes a gray area that, and also it's just an injustice to the story you're trying to tell in general. Mm-hmm. um i do believe that when it comes to biopics um you got to be careful
1: Yo, know, one of the, okay i didn't learn this from the films that we saw but i saw it on la twitter but mm-hmm. tina turner handmade all of her wigs
0: i'm not gonna be disrespectful and say i can tell but that's crazy
1: <laughs> wait Kayla, hey, first of all, you have to remember, these were the wigs of the 80s. Those were, all of them wigs were good for the 60s well, and the 80s.
0: Yeah, prime, prime real estate. Nah, no, I understand, that. I understand now that.
1: we'd be like, but him, mm-hmm. she was eating now. Also, um, I found this out. I can't think of the man's name, but there was a white makeup artist back in like the 80s and 90s who was responsible for doing, like, all of your black faces from those times. Yeah. makeup. Like, he created a lot of the techniques that, like, Black women use to do makeup today, like, on their faces. And he did Tina Turner's face. He did, I think, Naomi Campbell's face. But, like, he, a lot of, like, some of those, like, techniques and, like, signature makeup things that we got from them, like, those specific women, Mm -hmm. like, he created, which I thought was crazy. But, yes, she handmade them wigs, child. And I was like, first of all, Tina Turner just went through so much. Like, I just think about the fact that, like, you were getting punched in the face and then still going to sing. Or, like, you're getting choked and then still singing, like. You right. still have time to hand make these wigs. You're raising not only your children with Ike, but your like his outside babies and everything else. Like she was just doing so much as a woman. And then you're hand making these wigs. It just was like the craziest thing. I was like, yo, black women really are just magical and really do so much, even despite. So that was all about the incredible Tina Turner, the icon, the legend, rest in peace to her. Prayers out to her family. This is Black Music Month, y'all. There are so many musical biopics out there. Um, so, you know, if you're looking to get into some, obviously you can start with What's Love Got to Do With It. You can watch the documentary Tina. But, you know, there are so many. Beyonce got several documentaries out there. Um, you know, Chadwick Boseman played James Brown. That's a great movie. Like, so many, so many to choose from. But that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, this has been another episode of the No Sleep Till Hollywood podcast. It's your girl, Galen Smith. You can follow me at Smitty with two T's and four Y's on anything with an at symbol.
0: And it's your boy, Caleb McDonald. You could see anything I have to say at Caleb Subtitles on anything.
1: And you can, of course, follow us at No Sleep Till Hollywood. So, you know, lock in, see clips from the past episodes To the podcast. So make sure you're clicking those if you want to watch it versus listen to it. Um you guys desperately um if you listen to podcasts and you happen to have Spotify, direct yourself to Spotify. We're trying to monetize. So direct yourself to Spotify. We love you listening anywhere. But direct yourself to Spotify if you can. Uh right now. That's all we got for today, y'all.
0: And on that note, Good Good night,
1: good morning, good evening, good afternoon, adios, bonsoir, see you next time.
0: Beep, beep, bloop, bloop.